Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 332 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page, for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio, where you will also find a link to today's magical guest, Jesse Huntenberg. Yay! Hello, Joanna. I am so, so pleased to be here. It is always a delight to speak with you and to do so in the public sphere, even better. So thank Yay. you so much for having me on. Thank you for coming, coming back. People probably remember you from before when we talked about Tarot. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. No, that would be awesome. That was an amazing conversation. I loved having the opportunity to chat that way. It's amazing how things just organically come out when I am chatting with you. I don't really plan it. And then I like went through the steps of a tarot reading. Thank you for inspiring my loquaciousness in that way. Oh, cool. Yeah, I don't think yeah. you need any help yeah. that way. <laughs> <laughs> At all. Although this is the thing. We're so busy and I'm like, I have my little circle of biz witchy friends that it's all like good intentions, stay in touch, stay in touch, stay in touch. And everybody's so busy. Just getting like a regular phone call on the book sometimes can be really hard. So I am totally selfish and I leverage my podcast to talk to the witchy women I love because because I can <laughs> because it's yours to do with as you please yeah. so it's your platform to manipulate however you desire also also I mean it's a great excuse to get to talk to you but also I know people love you and so it's it's something I know for sure that you never run out of things to say so it's an awesome thing for the listeners too Aw, thank you. I I, I sincerely hope so. I really do. (laughs) Okay, so speaking of busy witches, can I just have like a little moment here to tell you what I did the last 45 minutes? And then you can kind of maybe springboard off of this because I would love to hear your self-care biz witch tips, but I'm going to share mine first. Is that okay? That's perfect. (laughs) Okay. So I was like, I only have, I got 45 minutes before I have to talk to Jesse and I I get to, not have to, and um, I, I want to work out, and I, I want to eat breakfast, and I wanted to take a bath, and I was like, okay, two out of three, two out of three, and then I had this whole, I made my bathroom so beautiful, I did this in about, <laughs> let's say, five minutes, um, did the quick scrub of the bathtub, I got this super amazing uh, bath salt, it looks like crystals, it looks like a little pile of crystals with rose petals in it and it's patchouli rose so I drug that into the bathroom and some candles and I made this amazing like beautiful I am so fancy Cleopatra bath (laughs) and then I made myself a little berry bowl in a super girly pretty anthropology bowl and some apples with the almond butter and sprinkles of cacao nibs And I literally ate my breakfast in the bathtub, sitting there feeling like a mermaid princess. And I was like, this is what it's about, man. Working from home. (laughs) I I live by my timer. So I set the timer for like 20 minutes. Like you can totally chill. Have no thoughts for 20 minutes. And then it goes off. And then I'm like, okay, set it for five more minutes because you need to wash your hair. All right. Then we have five minutes (laughs) to put our clothes on. (laughs) some nice smelling lotion and then go talk to Jesse. And that's what I did. And it was awesome. That sounds absolutely and utterly divine. <laughs> it really does. I, I love taking, I love taking baths as well. Ritual baths, calming baths. It's, it, it's, it can just reset and relax at the exact same time yeah. for me at least. Working from home. It's so important to figure out ways to work that stuff in and sometimes you have to get creative, but and it's a huge privilege in working from home as well. Not that it doesn't get hectic, because it does, but just being like, 
I'm going to take this 40 minutes and you can't have it, you know? No, I, I love, love, love working from home. I do. And one of the reasons why I think this is, is I, I do plan things, but I will get these like passionate feelings and desires to do things. And if it's within my power to do whatever it is that I'm inspired to do, then I, I will try and make it happen. This does not happen every day, uh, but there'll be a day where maybe it's especially beautiful and, and fantastic outside. I'm just being pulled. I'm being called. Like, I need to take a break. I need to spend some time out there. And I, I, follow, I follow that desire. Like, if I don't have anything uh, scheduled or planned out, I absolutely follow that desire. I also happened to plan my schedule according to the weather. So I'll look at the weather. So for the- smart you are. <laughs> I will look at the weather for the week coming up and I'll see which day looks like it's going to be the just the most halcyon beautiful day. And I will do my best to plan the least amount of stuff like work stuff to do on that day. And so then I can know that that's the day I'm going to take or the half of the day I'm going to take. I can look forward to it. And because I set aside that chunk of time, I can totally just just disconnect because I've been anticipating it. Um, and because it's something that I've already decided, like, this is the beautiful day. This is the day I'm going to get outside, enjoy, be present. And I'm just able to do that. Uh, and that that works well. And not everyone has that. I know if you don't work from home and you're working from a nine to five. There are so many beautiful days that you have to be inside. And I've worked inside for most of my life. And it was always on those days, always. So I was just like, oh, why can't I just, you know, I would go to work this Saturday or this Sunday if I could just have this day because I feel good. It's beautiful outside. It's wonderful. And I want to, you know, enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still think there are little things you can do if you're working like in a corporate setting. If you get a 45 minute or hour long work break, maybe there's like a little place around the corner where you can go get one of those little 15 minute neck massages or like a quick foot massage where you pay by the minute. <laughs> and oh. then, you know, just get like a, that day you're going to have like a pre-made salad, you know, and then you're going to go get yourself a foot massage. I feel like there's little ways to work it in you have to we have to make time for that or or you just go nuts it's true and when I worked you know nine to five inside like even more so than that like all summer there was just a little park across the street from where I worked and I would leave like I would clock out for my break and I would leave the 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 premises and I think that is really important because if you stay in the the building in which you're doing your job you can get pulled into things you could end up talking with coworkers about other things that are work related yeah and you like step outside if you have the capability of doing so if you step outside of the building you can actually have a real break you can read a book you can relax you can write you can do whatever it is that you're also passionate about if you play your cards right mhm and you hit something you hit on something that's really important to me as someone that works from home and it's like scheduling like literally scheduling your downtime your playtime i i first started thinking about this when um Shanda Sumpner she's hardcore hardcore heart is actually the name of her business, Hardcore Business. <laughs> but she's also, nice. she's very <laughs> hardcore and intense. Like, she's so driven. But um, she kind of turned this corner. Maybe she always talked about it, but I was really listening to her for a while when she started talking about scheduling and flex time and a whole week out of every month that you do not work. And, and her whole team, she has a team, they all take a week off every month. And um, I was like, whoa, that sounds really radical. And, but I tried it a few summers ago, a couple of summers ago, and I was like, I'm always going to do this. So I did it for a long time. And now I'm kind of where you're at, where like go with the flow a little bit more, like go how you feel. So I'll more just be like, I am so burnt out or I'm so busy. I'm actually just not going to record a podcast for a week. Um but also like planning, like you were saying, just like plan. Oh, it's good weather, especially if you live in a place like you do, where it's not like sunny all the time. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to tell people where you are, what city you're in? I am in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I believe it's probably one of the most underrated cities in the United States. And it's. I live in a beautiful little Victorian hamlet in the West. 
that unfortunately over the past decade people have started to find out about. It's only a matter of time until rents go sky high, but uh, I I really love where I live, honestly. We do get all the seasons, uh, live in an old Victorian house, and I can't really complain about that. I mean, Victorian houses make my head want to explode with the overwhelming adore. I just love them so much. I just love them so much. And I remember watching you do videos where you'd like walk around your neighborhood. I was like, it looks like Lady and the Tramp. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's pretty, it's pretty divine. Uh, I, and it's, it still has, it's a very city feel to it. Um, but also it's just the, the relics of the past. And that's something that I've always been pretty attracted to. I like feeling like something has a a history. It just makes it so much richer to me. So, I mean, this neighborhood was kind of a, it was kind of a no brainer. And when I say there's Victorian houses everywhere, there's Victorian houses everywhere. Like it's mainly the buildings that we have here. And I don't know if it was easier to just maintain them the way that it was, or if people just came in and started buying them and then just completely rehabbing them. But they seem, um, you know, they seem to be pretty well kept and well maintained. So I'm, I'm not trying to leave anytime soon. (laughs) It's It's a crime against humanity to let a Victorian house go to pot. It was such a tiny period of time. And those houses are so magical it drives me nuts when i see one that's like falling down i know and we'll get we'll get that too um but it's it's a rarity honestly yeah well i think too what's fun for something that you do is uh city witchery really and like even though you really have a lot of nature in your city I can't remember what the exact statistic is, but I keep seeing the statistic pop up about how all the people are moving to the cities. And um, a lot of the conversation used to be around magic and witchery. It used to just be so much about like, go out into the forest barefoot and, you know, which is awesome and so romantic and beautiful. But then people that live in the city are like, okay, I have a succulent dying on the windowsill. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have any like um, tips for city witches? I, okay. So when I say go out into nature, honestly, like I'm thinking, I'm like applying it to my own perspective and experience. For me, nature is very much this, like this marriage between the natural world and the created world. So I still think of that as nature because it's, it's my environment. So what I find in terms of, you know, city witchery, there's so many different ways that you can approach it. First of all, you can you can grow your own herbs uh, out of a window. So that's something that's always available to you, whether or not you have like vast swaths of, of land. And you can probably grow your own veggies too, to a certain extent, if you want to do container gardening. So that's definitely pretty, pretty darn witchy. Um, and in the cities, because of the culture that is about, there are so many different opportunities to, to connect in this transcendent way that doesn't necessarily have to do with nature as such. One of the things that I find to be most meditative is being alone in a crowd. And one of the places I'll go is Rittenhouse Square. It's a pretty, you know, pretty popular square in in Center City. And just sit on a a stone, um, like a a stone, oh gosh, the word is, I don't even know what it's, it's a, I sit. (laughs) (laughs) And a, a wall, a pedestal. A wall. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I know that hard, difficult word that I just had to pluck that's out. That's what of. happens when you have too many big words, Jesse. I think that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the easy words, it's just like, no, it should have been more complex, but it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> uh, so sit on a stone wall, cross-legged, and meditate to the sounds of the city. And there's something beautiful to me about white noise and it's wh- and in the way that it helps me to just be in the present moment and, and relax in and, but be turned on at the same time. You know, you could be in that environment and then something amazing happens that you wouldn't be expecting. Maybe someone comes with a guitar and sits near you and then starts playing something 
beautiful. Like you never would have been able to anticipate that. And I'm also go to Rittenhouse Square because it's near the Curtis Institute for Music, which is one of the top music schools in the country. So you'll get the students out there busking. So you can hear like this beautiful classical music for free in this open environment. And to me that that is incredibly magical. It's incredibly transcendent. Um, it is, it, it feels like witchcraft to me in a way that is really collaborative and you can draw on collective energy in a city in a way that you can't when you are by yourself in in the woods somewhere it's a completely different feeling it's um it's a feeling of connection to to people to individuals rather yes. than uh, than nature uh and it it's high it vibrates at a really high pitch it is it's not as calming and relaxing as like being in the woods by yourself it's something that's almost, um, it's like waiting for a catalyst. It's exciting. It's a good way to charge mm-hmm. if you're looking to charge. It's like, uh, it's like fishing, fishing for inspiration, just sitting there with your little fishing line <laughs> Wait, mm-hmm. and waiting for a bite. I mean, maybe one time it's like an old woman sharing her ice cream with the baby and maybe the next time it's someone, you know, playing guitar on the steps next to you. Absolutely. It's something that you can't anticipate. You kind of, it kind of goes along with this uh, concept of surrender. You surrender yourself to your environment and what could happen there rather than, uh, you know, putting your own agenda on things. And, you know, magic is so much intention, but I feel like it's so much, uh, you know, defined by receptivity and an ability to open and allow yourself to be transformed by what's happening around you. That is so beautiful. And also, I mean, you're surrounded by the human animal and we are nature. So there's that component to it as well. And then two two other things I would throw out there is, is you're always under the sky. So I would recommend like really making, getting a relationship going with what's going on in the sky above you and actually spending time checking that out. It's amazing how often people don't look up. Um, and then also weeds, (laughs) watch the weeds. They're so interesting because they're so tenacious and they have so many lessons to teach us. And when you're in a city, they will like pop up in funny, interesting places. And so I would, I would say, keep an eye out for the sky and the weeds and the weeds and their ability to reclaim. To me, that is that is amazing. If you find an area that perhaps would be considered abandoned or hasn't been, uh, you know, kept up in the traditional way, just watch how fast those weeds move in and say, Oh, I, it's my time to come back here. I'm, I'm reclaiming this, this space. Yes. It's so cool to see. I, I love, and this is, I love like industrial carcasses covered over by vines and, and weeds. And I feel it's just like, the you know the the it, it proves how how short our life is as as human beings and how no matter how strong what it, what it is that we create how like it, it shows it the resilience of mother Na- <laughs> it shows the resilience of mother nature too I, and for all the reasons you're saying but also just because there will be a dandelion that it like pushes through the cement crack and is like I'm here oh and it won't. I have a tree that's five stories tall out in front of my house and it is surrounded by, you know, roads and houses and, and sidewalks. And it doesn't even matter that all of these things have been placed here. It's, it's just so strong that it continues to survive even if it's not in its ideal environment. Yes, totally. Bloom where you are planted people. That's the message. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you a horror story. This is a horror story for any tree-hugging hippie, but I just heard it, and so it's pretty fresh on my mind. Um, and I've been talking to people about it, because I, I think about a week ago is when I heard it. Uh, but it just blew me away. Like, there were these high school kids that vandalized their, the town I grew up in. There's, like, hill towns that are, like, tiny, like, little communities uh, around it you know if you go on a 40 minute drive and one of those you know kids do their pranks this time of year like it's graduation and and these boys they cut down every tree on the property of their school which is a federal offense and they're in big bad trouble for it now but also like I was just like 
no, I just thought it was just the worst horror story. And I know those kids were probably just thinking they were being funny and um, going to pull off the best prank ever. They probably didn't have a connection to what they were actually doing and, and how some trees take hundreds of years to grow. But um, I don't know, something about that like rocked me to the core. It's That's awful. That's awful. I... I guess, you know, when you're that age and you're amongst peers and things can get real crazy real fast because everyone is trying to be accepted and loved, basically, like almost desperately, these plans and schemes can be hatched so quickly. But to cut down all the trees, like I don't see, I don't conceive of anything funny. Like that doesn't make me laugh at all. (laughs) No, it's horror. That's what I'm saying. It's like horrifying and then kind of. Around the same time, there's a campaign here in Los Angeles to stop cutting down trees because the city's gotten real loose on getting a permit to cut a tree down. And so there's, like, scientists that are coming forward <clears throat> and and activists that are like, hello, <laughs> we literally, you can, contr- this is so fascinating to me, you can um, impact the weather and how hot it is for an entire city by having trees because they they process moisture they put moisture into the air besides the shade and stuff and it was like amazing how many degrees it could lower the temperature for all of us if these fools stopped cutting down the trees i it it's hard <laughs> for me to, it's hard for me to speak to this because it's so it's so much Like, why wouldn't it make sense to have green spaces in cities? And why wouldn't we want to prioritize that given everything that's happening in the world? And uh, I don't, I know that I'm not in that world where it's a hungry, hungry machine that demands more, more progress, more products, more expansion. And I know I don't see it from that perspective because I don't really have, uh, you know, an interest there. But it just doesn't make any sense to me that there wouldn't be some planning. And things are changing. I understand that. Some planning to incorporate green spaces into into our cities, considering how many people are living there, considering uh, the research in terms of depression in cities. I think that that's something that people just kind of try and gloss over. And I feel like one of the many reasons why that is an issue is because there's very little access to green spaces why this isn't a greater initiative, I guess I understand because I'm aware, I'm familiar with politics, but why it doesn't sink in uh, is just, it's just baffling to me. Yep. Well, thank heaven for hippies and all the like witchy, <laughs> witchy activists out there. I've, um, I know like the, the switch in leadership and the EPA, like all of these protections being taken off our environment, like all at once in a very shocking way. And they just kind of like slip it in. They create a lot of chaos news. So you're like distracted by like the circus and you don't even know like, oh yeah, now we're no longer going to protect the ocean. Just so you know. Um, but why even? Like I, I know that money, this is such a fundamental. Money, money. I know, but why is money that important? Because you can buy stuff, Jesse. I know, but these the people who are engineering these ships, they have enough money they need to buy stuff. Like okay, how it's much about control. It's about control, and again, coming back to witchiness, like we're focused on power from within, and they are focused on power over. Yeah, it's, I suppose you're right. Manifest destiny and all of it. <laughs> I mean, if you have wealth, if you're operating it on... In those levels, you're looking at controlling resources from foreign countries and stuff, which is something, you know, we probably can't even wrap our minds around because we're just trying to, like, sneak a bath in before we do an interview. Exactly. <laughs> and I know, I know that I can't wrap my mind around it, and I know I don't function at that level, but I don't have one of the reasons why this is, one of the multiple reasons why this is, is because I don't really have that desire to, to, to colonize in that way. And, 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 you know, colonize is just a, it's a, it's a pretty hard hitting term. I understand. But when you want power over, basically that's what you're in, in, that's what you're trying to do. And I think it speaks to something I've been thinking about a lot recently, actually the past two weeks. And I knew this was going to get rambly, but good. um, just the, 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 the seed of discontent being 
the, the, the idea that it's never enough, like regardless, it's just this idea that nothing that one has is ever enough. And this, this perspective that, you know, once I have this, I'll be happy. Or once I have this, I'll be happy. And reaching those goals and realizing that the happiness hasn't arrived because it is something that has to be nurtured from within. And just to continue down that road of once I have this, I'll be happy. And just having it be this never ending, uh, striving for a happiness that can, that, can't necessarily be found in that way. That's why I'm so grateful for my sisters and psycho spiritual witchery because <laughs> because the focus I think people get really upset and confused or just think it's a joke when they hear the word witchcraft certain people uh, and I'm really happy, pleased that there's people like Kelly Ann Maddox and Jesse Huntenberg, and I'll say it myself, talking about yes. like learning, <laughs> learning this power from within, learning to love yourself and learning to be happy with who you are, so you don't end up going broke trying to keep up with some crazy impossible. It's just never gonna fill you up. You might get like a tiny little hit off of that awesome new blah, blah, blah thing that you had to have to have because you saw it on Instagram. But then that thing goes out of style in three months. And also it's not really your color. And also now you, <laughs> now you need another hit. And because of the law of diminishing returns, you need a bigger hit. So it's mm. not a good cycle to get into. No, and it's one that honestly, it's funny how people perceive witchcraft just generally. I feel like it's changing over time, um, but the perception seems to me to be the almost the exact opposite of, of what it actually is. Yes. Uh, and yes. There's, but there's so much that goes into it, and I can't, I cannot speak for every witch. Never can because I feel like there's as many approaches to witchcraft as there are witches, basically. Yes. Um, Which but is it, what makes it awesome. That's awesome. Yes, because it is completely and totally individualized and allows for the individual expression of spirituality in a way that I just think is pretty radical. But there seems to be at the core of, of witchcraft this desire to finally be cool with yourself like and and supported by this desire to create in a way that matches your vision. And I feel like the sweet spot is hit when both of these things can can live together. And I think that honestly the the spiritual quest of witchcraft is to get to a place where you can desire and feel comfortable with that desire and feel comfortable with going after that desire while also being cool with where you are in the moment as well. Yes, yes. I think that my mind is going to freak out. I just got too many ideas listening to you all at the same time. But, um, <laughs> okay, so there's this analogy I love and that I've used before in, in the way they train baby elephants. I think I heard this from Tony Robbins back in the day. But they'll put a chain around their, their foot and, and train the elephant with the chain around its foot so it can only, like, go so far away. And then... They break its spirit down so much that when they re remove the chain, the elephant doesn't run away because it's been so well trained. I think what's happened is we've entered into this era of incredible privilege. You can say, I'm a witch and no one will burn you at the stake or throw you in jail or, you know, do you know what I mean? Like we have that freedom that nobody has had like ever in the history of, of West, the Western world. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also we have, like, uh, just the spiritual freedom that's, like, baked into our, so far, our political system that protects us to do that. And all of this, these amazing people coming forward to kind of lead this movement. And uh, I think it frightens people because they're like that baby elephant with the chain on their, on, they think they need to be told what to do or they think they need a middleman to God. I, I there's safety in there's safety in the middleman because I feel like it protects you from having to if you you know if you don't want to it kind of makes it okay for you not to look at some of the the grislier parts of the self. Good point. And I I think that honestly um you know the dichotomy in some of the Abrahamic religions you know um the devil and and God you know the the, the purest good and the purest evil, um, is 
it, it's it's pulled out of the human experience, and it's something that we as human beings, in, it, we have both of those those poles operating in a gray area. And I feel like we don't necessarily trust ourselves to always behave in the way that we should or always to do the right thing. And that's why certain, um, you know, certain religious dogma or, or paths are so appealing because they provide us with a, a structure that we feel like we can trust. And if we surrender ourselves to this structure then and and you know obey it to a certain extent then maybe we'll actually be a decent person and maybe we won't be tempted to do things that we feel are immoral and i think the thing that's kind of radical about witchcraft is it it incorporates maybe some of those bad choices that we've made it it forces us to face them it, it forces us to kind of take a look at ourselves and be like hey Maybe I'm not perfect. Maybe, you know, there's some things about myself that that are not really contributing to the good of myself or others. And it gives you permission to get really real with yourself and to figure out who you are in, in an unidealized way. Yeah. And I, feel, and I feel like when you can look at that and face that and confront that, you gain power over it yeah. in a way that you don't. If you, if you sublimate it, if you pretend it's not there, if you just, if you focus on other things, it can pop up and just disrupt things without your, your knowledge. And when you say that, like, this is an aspect of myself that can be kind of devious, this is something that I do that is maybe selfish and not really to the benefit of the greater good, that once you're aware of that, you can kind of keep it in check. You can accept it about yourself and you can also find ways to work with it too or find it like healthy channels and outlets. Yeah, I 100% agree. I had a, um, earlier this year, I released a, like an audio journey, a product called Shadow Love. And when I was, I had a lot of insights while I was recording that material and it dawned on me that like 90%, I don't know what the percentage is, but so much of what we do as witches is releasing and, and letting go of old programming and finding like weird things in our shadow that we can let go of and bring into the light and heal and integrate and all that stuff. And I was thinking about how, if you if you want a, a a social media post to go viral, post a picture of Kali. Like if somebody posts something about like a, a goddess like Kali, um, or it's the dark moon and you're talking about releasing work, it's amazing to me how like the whole community is just like yes in a way that not so much I think around some of the more. Um, I mean, people still love positive thinking and affirmations and vision boards and all of that. I just notice it gets a real big reaction out of people. When you talk about letting go and releasing, I think we're like holding our breaths in a way and just waiting for permission to exhale. I completely agree with that. I feel that as, you know, as human beings, we are really, really hard on ourselves. Um, more hard on ourselves than anyone else is on us for the most part. So, so mean. We're so mean. So cruel. We say things to ourselves and do things to ourselves that we never do to other people. Um, and it's just this expectation that we've created of, you know, we should be this, we should be that, we should be that. Um, and we just, you know, we become so ashamed of the ways in which we don't measure up uh, that we just... I, I almost, it's, I have this visualization of like a tin can, like a soda can, like crinkled for some reason when I think of like, you know, uh, shocker blockages or, or ways that were just not free. I, I have this visualization of like crinkled soda bottles that are uh, soda cans that are just hanging out in there that just want to be recycled, that, that need to be taken out to just kind of clear the air and clear the space so we can actually feel okay about being who it is that we are and not so guilty and shame ridden about being ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And the freedom, I think we're looking for that internal freedom. And I think it comes in tiny little pieces. It's just like one letting go and then one letting go and then another one. Sometimes you have a really, really big one. It's like, whoa, life shift. But I think more often than not, it's just letting go of little tiny, um, 
all these little, all these little uh, programs that have put been put on us and, and ideas and beliefs that it's not so much as as um, creating who you are as it is like rediscovering or finding who you are like buried underneath piles of all this stuff. I completely agree. <laughs> Yes, which is what you do. I'm excited that you've been talking about Patreon now all of a sudden because I use Patreon and it's weird. I've been there over a year now and it just seems like I just signed up yesterday because I'm still kind (laughs) of learning what it is to me. Like I've used it to really get into more depth with some personal things that I don't feel comfortable talking about the general public with, but it looks like you're going to have more of a a mission with yours like you're launching a new patreon right or you have am, you have launched it i have launched it uh, i had a lovely one of those lovely halcyon days i discussed earlier on in the podcast yesterday and i came home and i just was like i'm, do- I'm doing this now and i have been thinking about it for months so i had all the planning every all the notes that i'd had like the potential tiers i wasn't even thinking of it in terms of patreon i was thinking i was just going to do this myself and i was just like wait a second why don't i do this through patreon because that will take care of some of the uh the bureaucratic nightmare not bureaucratic oh gosh administrative nightmare that i struggle with sometimes (laughs) and i was like you know what I'm going to launch a Patreon. I've been thinking, I've been wanting to do uh, a tiered uh, tarot reading offering for probably four months. Uh, I just wanted to find a way to connect with folks who perhaps cannot commit to the energy exchange of one of my readings or my sessions. I wanted to create a way to work with people on a more uh, consistent and long-term basis because that's what I find to be most rewarding about what it is that I do. I love working with clients like multiple times and really getting down to brass tacks. Well, about- let's talk about what your work is too because I'm realizing I just assumed everybody knows who you are <laughs> and here we are like 40 minutes in. 40 minutes into the podcast and we haven't even properly explained what it is you do. Well, I am a tarot reader primarily, and I have recently opened up to doing one-on-one sessions, which I call heart-centered sessions, which are are much more uh, of of an advising session than a tarot session. Sometimes maybe the cards will be thrown, but really what happens is I send out this really long questionnaire and, and receive the answers from the potential clients and I kind of work out uh, a session plan. It depends. It depends if it's one session, if it's, you know, three sessions, I'll take a look at the responses. I'll take a look at what they, what the clients want to work on. And I figure out a way chronologically that I feel is going to be most useful in terms of getting to the heart of something, getting to the crux of something and, and uh, you know, and seeing how that, that, chief realization uh affects multiple areas of life to speak generally what would that feel like to me like what tools are we using and do i talk to you on the phone like what is that how does that play out so we talk via skype so what i'll do is i'll send out the questionnaire i'll receive the information and i will go through and do copious notes um and and create kind of a structure for the session to uh to to unfold in uh i will come up with certain questions and i will order them in a way that try to lead to a certain realization or a certain understanding of something that maybe isn't clear and we'll speak about these things dynamically and so you know i i might pose my questions but i'll pay a lot of attention to the words that you use as a client. Usually I'll have my light bulb moment because I definitely am a word person where I hear a client express something very in a very specific way or I hear a word that's used that just like sends off alarm bells and I'll write that down and I will relate that word or that perception or that phrase to everything that it is that we've been discussing. Um, it's amazing through how through talking and having someone just really, really listen to what it is that you're saying, how you can just like pick out certain things or, or a light on certain ways that a person perceives themselves or ways that a, that a relationship dynamic, uh, you know, uh, the interaction between a relationship uh, is. And I just find it 
entirely fascinating. I find it incredibly rewarding. Um, you know, I've gotten really awesome feedback from clients and it's just feels good knowing that what it is that I'm doing is actually helping people. Mm-hmm. What do you find? I'd just be curious. Do you find that a certain kind of person or certain people that are struggling with certain issues tend to gravitate toward you? To be there's to be perfectly honest, it seems like there's two two camps, and I don't necessarily want to put it this way, uh, but it's it's a there's some there's people who come to me who are struggling with shadow work issues, um, struggling with things that happened to them in the past that they haven't been able to process that they they haven't been able to move through. They're aware that these these attachments to what's happening is holding them back in a really, really big way. And they want to work through that. And then I have people coming to me who have a certain awareness of their shadow, who've done a little, done some more integration work and who've really looked at that and want to take what they've learned there and begin apply, applying it actionably. So you can think of the shadow work in terms of self-reflection and bringing awareness to the self. And then you can think of the next step as using that awareness to create actionable change in, in your life. Mm. Um, Mm-hmm. So, so that seems to be how, how things play, play out at least, uh, in terms of working with clients. And I feel like I am just uh, incredibly fortunate to just work with the most amazing people. Oh, and I am sure I, everyone. I bet we have crossover. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I bet we have crossover and I would so wholeheartedly agree with that. I just, I, I, I'm like, how did these beautiful people even find me and desire to work with me. I am, I feel so pleased to work with them. People with so much passion and so much feeling and depth of emotion and so much, even so much insight into their own experience. They're just fantastic people. Well, like attracts like. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) You can say all the same things about yourself. I think that surprised me though, stepping into a leadership position I'm actually more often than not talking to peers. That's how I feel. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it's, you can't, sometimes you can't do, regardless of how much you know about psychology, about spirituality, about, you know, plumbing the depths of the, the human consciousness, you can have total blinders on when it comes to yourself. And I know this because I have experienced this. You can, uh, or pretty much we all do. <laughs> and it's, I can have so such a depth of insight into someone else's experience just by listening to them for 20 minutes that like, I wish that I could apply that to myself in the same way, but that's why I feel like we're here also to help each other gain that kind of objective insight, you know? Yes. Yeah. I feel like too, that takes so much of the stigma out of being like, schooled you know it's not about that it's just about we all have blind spots Mm -hmm. and what can take someone like jesse 20 minutes to see it might take you 20 years to see on your own only for the simple fact that we're human and i find it actually too when people are extraordinarily intelligent like very very smart they outsmart themselves because they have a story for everything and they have this analysis that sometimes it's sort of like the most beautiful rainbow of bullshit that you just get. (laughs) It's so impressive. It's so impressive. It's scientifically backed. It makes so much sense, but really it's just not the truth. And it's hard to see that sometimes. It is hard to see, especially if, you know, if you're just really good at generating rationale, rationality and like justifications for doing what it is that you want to do. I, in the past, I, like mostly in my college days, my, did I have a smart ass retort for everything. Like <laughs> I thought everything through, I had any advice that anyone tried to give me. I, I was just like, no, I've thought about this actually. And this is the conclusion that I've come to. And it took a long time to realize that it's not about like knowing these things. It's about understanding them. And I feel like there's a complete a really huge difference between like knowing and the desire to know that's like a colonizing desire 
and the desire to understand. That's one that's that's receptive. That's one that allows other input to come in and inform the parad- paradigm. And okay, inform- wait, 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 wait. Slow down, Miss Smarty Pants. You lost me like a couple blocks back. I might definitely want you to repeat this. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. The knowing thing that you said, I'm like trying to wrap my brain around. What is that about the okay. colonization and knowing? The quest to know. The quest to know. Okay. Which is... The quest to that creates rationalizations that that okay. you know uh, that creates all sorts of reasonings, paths of reasonings to explain whatever it is that's happening is different than the quest to understand because oh, yeah. knowing knowing is so active. It's about as fiery as it gets. It's like I want to know. I need to know. I need to know because once I know and I. I once I can perceive it in this way and understand it and rational, well, not understand, we won't use that, rationalize it in this way, then I can explain it. And the explanations don't always hold up and they're not always true and they can lead us away from what's actually trying to be expressed. So understanding or the quest to understand is much more receptive. It's much more feminine in its, in its way of going about things. It allows for input Um, you know, if you were going to understand, you'd ask someone for advice, not so you could prove them wrong and further fortify your justification to yourself, but so you could actually listen to them and think about what they're saying and see if it applies to you. I feel like there is like moving towards more of an understanding mindset for me, at least who was just fiery masculine, the way I approached everything, um, has helped me immensely. Wow, that is some good stuff. If we if we <laughs> edited this down to just that, I feel like it would be so valuable. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I need to have you on more often. This is good stuff. I would love to be on more often. I love talking to you. You know that. So fun. Well, how will this work for a group of people that are in Patreon? So how do you have ideas yet? Or are you just going to yes. kind of feel it out? So basically, this is going to be a tier situation, and it's going to combine um, collective tarot readings, mini ebook, and personalized readings and/or sessions. So the first one dollar tier is a uh, a three card collective reading and an original tarot spread that is that I create and is exclusive to Patreon. Oh, no, uh, yeah, the second is everything there plus a video that has specifically centered upon creation, you know, moving into that creative kind of energy and whatever it is that works for you. Maybe creation to you is cooking. Maybe it's this. It's going to speak to like the light of inspiration and what it is that how to translate inspiration into, into making a thing. And then the next tier is a um, it's. All of that, I might, I, I just created this yesterday, so bear with me. I'm trying to recall completely. It's going to be, <laughs> well, this, uh, is go- this is going up like almost a week from today, so you might have it a little bit more explained on, on your Patreon page. I probably will. I probably will. But anyway, there's a there's the next tier. You can do a three-card reading with me, um, uh, an audio MP3, and then the last tier involves having a one-on-one session, kind of like I described um, earlier on in the podcast. Mm. So I feel like it's going to be pretty awesome, honestly. I really love Patreon. It gives you the sensation of not, I like, sacred space is what you bring to it, but privacy. I feel a, a level of privacy that feels so freeing, speaking of like, liberation and freeing yourself it's just so nice because it's like god you must be some kind of hater if you want to pay five bucks a month to sit here and like hate on me so I feel like I'm (laughs) I feel like I'm in a space with people that are there because they want to be there and it's a love thing and and we're all friends here that's what I really enjoy about Patreon it does it seems to create like that that kind of safe space and just to to be more free to know that everybody is friends here and so they can say things that they want to say and and one of the things i'm actually throwing in there too is like a mini ebook each month that basically is my just general creation of whatever it is that's kicking around in my brain so 
the one coming for July might have something to do with this idea of embodiment of what I say, like understanding versus knowing some of these things. I'm just going to create like uh, an ebook. It's either creative or informative or probably a, com- a combination of, of all of those things and just offer it there. And I feel like it gives freedom because you know, the people who are there, they, they dig you. Yes. And I, you know, and so that you can tell they already support whatever it is that you're going to throw out there. So you can take more liberties. Yes. Kind of Holy. knowing that they're going to dig it. And that's, I think, what's really exciting, too, because I feel like sometimes when I, I, I kind of box myself off too much about what it is that I'm trying to create, like there's some gold that gets like discarded or lost or just like doesn't get, you know, um, you know, included there because it doesn't necessarily fit whatever. So see, this is why I'm taking a kind of weird meditative hiatus from the structures that I've created around my business. And I'm just kind of like, I've just gotten so busy that now I'm like, you know what, we, (laughs) what I thought this would be five years ago, seven years ago, it's just a totally different thing now. And I love just being in this sort of weird floaty liminal space of like, let's just see how (laughs) this feels or see how that feels. And um, it's so cool to have like the tiers of Patreon and the structure of it. But it's also, I think this is, I've been working with Saturn a lot. I feel like this is the breath of Saturn is you, you build your structures and then you let them go. And then you build yep. your structures and then you let them go. Cause each structure gets you up to the next plateau or the next level. However you want to see it, you take some time, enjoy that view, see where you are and then build the next structure. It so very much feels like that. And I feel like sometimes when I'm in a really structured place where I'm trying to create this structure, Basically, I'm trying to internalize a way of doing things that I know is going to make it easier for me or or make things better in terms of what it is that I'm doing. And that moment where I'm able to release that, where I know it's there, like I don't have to try at it anymore. It's just kind of there as a foundational point is just so lovely for me. I'm just like, ah, okay. (laughs) And then, like you said, it's time to build the new one. But it feels so rewarding because it's cumulative, I feel. Yep. And I think that's such a neat thing, too, when you have a tribe, like you have a tribe around you now, so you can start a Patreon for you to have space together to hang out. Um, But that's uh, one of the rewards is that you get to all have that experience with people that you've built trust with, which I think is also a form of structure. It's a container for an actual relationship to happen. Now that is, those are wise words. <laughs> it's what you learn with talking to people about this stuff. I know. It's great. Yeah. I'm real. I'm super excited. I, I really oh, just, I have a good feeling about it as far as it being what I can and what I'm envisioning it will be. And mm-hmm. I don't always get that when I launch something or I try something new. I feel like everything is, you know, I feel like I'm on a continual learning curve no matter what it is that I'm doing. But there are some things that I feel like, hey, this is going to work, like at the very onset, like where I just kind of have this knowledge that like, oh, this is incorporating this and this and this that I was trying to get out of doing this and this and this that wasn't working. So I'm pretty, pretty psyched. That's why failure is so important. You got to fail your way to success. Like you have all these moments you're like, that didn't quite work. That didn't quite work. And then that's what gets you to the thing where you're like, Oh, I see, can see it all now. I see how this part, you know, like you have one of those awesome aha moments that you want to tell everybody about, but that's like, they're like, yeah, okay. What? You're having another insight. (laughs) Oh, I've, I've totally gotten to the point where like every three days I'm like, Oh my God. Like I just had this understanding. And you know what? I don't even, these were the things that I used to be really self-conscious about, or I think so much about. And I don't know what's happened in the past like three months. I've just really let myself evolve in real time. Cause the thing is when you're, when you're doing something like with the public for the public in, in social media and, and you're, you're evolving and changing in uh, with an audience, it is so, Oh my gosh, you make yourself so vulnerable. You make yourself vulnerable to criticism. You make yourself vulnerable just in terms of like, you know, you could be perceived as like this flighty person who keeps changing their mind. And that used to be something that was so 
that weighed so heavily on my mind. And now I'm just like, you know what? This is my process. Like I, I do change. I try things out. They don't work. I try it again and until something works. And when it works, I'm so happy. And I just am no longer ashamed of the of trying things out in public. If that makes any sense. Yeah, oh, of course it makes sense. Definitely. Um, can we circle back? I know we're running out of time, but embodiment is something, you said the magic word, it's something that I've been very, very focused on in my personal life, but also in just talking about, and I would like to know what you mean by that. So, and again, I've been thinking about this. <laughs> So embodiment seems to me to almost be the end result of, of, of spell work. If you're approaching it from the witchy paradigm, you know, say you want to be more passionate in terms of the way you do things, you might create a spell to generate that passion and all of these objective symbols in terms of what that means to you. But embodiment is, is feeling it viscerally. And having it change and shift on the cellular level in a way that just makes you or your experience different. And one of the reasons why I think I began thinking about this was, again, like about two months ago, I just had I was taken back through a piece of art. And this is why I love art to a moment where I was, you know, 14, where I was like, you know, coming into my sexual being when I was coming into my being as an individual, when I first declared myself an atheist, when I realized like I had my own thoughts about things and that I could have my own visions of what I wanted my life to be. I was like a pure vessel of embodiment of all of those things of my own becoming of my sexuality of my dreams and my visions. And it wasn't something that I had to really intellectualize. It was just it was an ex- like a divine expression of my of my actual being, mm. and I began I began doing astral work without even knowing what it was. I didn't read anything about it. I just I just remembered when I was fourteen, I used to go to bed early because for about two hours before I went to sleep, I would just trip like like crazy, and I started really looking forward to it. And I would just you know introduce myself to the worlds that could be through my own imagination and my own just like, you know, unfettered desire. And I feel like when we embody things viscerally and deeply, it creates some of the most powerful magic that you could possibly ever hope to create. It, it changes everything you do and it changes the way that you approach things. And I just, that's, and again, it's something I've been thinking about and I haven't fully fleshed it out, but the idea like occurred to me that, that magic can be something that is just so very natural and what, what's required is stoking, stoking the flames of your most unfettered expressed being into expression. Oh, I love that. I don't think you caught either that you said, I have, I haven't fully thought this out, but, um, to flesh it out. You said flesh it out. And I was like, oh, you just, girl, you're talking about embodiment within talking about embodiment. <laughs> <laughs> to bring the, to bring the thought into the flesh. Into the body. Yeah. To bring thought into the body so that it begins to do miraculous things. And your experience becomes this beautiful marriage between the thought and, and the feeling. Um, I think the animal that we talked about. Yes. Yes. And I don't think, and so much, you know, historically has been, you know, we've just cast aside our animal and I think to our own detriment, frankly. Um, And I think one of the major problems that we have right now is generally, uh, that we're rejecting our animal and we're living way too much in our, um, mental intellectual space. Well, which Um, the internet really has heightened. Yes, for sure. For certain. Um, and that there's no need to disregard that intellectual space. I mean, dude, I couldn't even do it if I tried. No, but, yeah, same. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you can bring it into the body in a way that it can be expressed fully, that that is some powerful magic indeed. And yeah. that's when some crazy things are going to happen. I forget where I mentioned this. I mentioned this recently, and and now I can't even remember the original reference, but I read somewhere in my reading journeys that the word health share, mm-hmm. shares an etymological relationship with the word whole and the word holy. And so when you think of health and holy and whole, 
from a magical perspective, you can't get rid of the mind because then you won't be whole. You can't also forget about the body. It's about this this holistic experience of spiritual health. For sure. And I love that etymological breakdown. <laughs> yes, I, th- I love that stuff too. Okay, so I can see we're like going to be passing an hour here and I like to wrap up with uh, kind of the same question over and over again, but let's customize it today because I, I just want to sneak in one more little tidbit about embodiment. And then we're going to leave everybody your URL and all that good stuff too. But before that, so what do you have a tip that somebody can just try out right now if they want to experience embodiment in any way, really, but just in um, the way that you're thinking about it right now in terms of magic and experiment, a little trick that you can play to experience that phenomenon in a way that fleshes it out for you. So one of the major go-tos would traditionally be like to meditate or come back to self because that is something that is so common. Yes. Intrinsic to this. I'm going to just suggest something different and suggest more on the side of ecstasy. So meaning put on your favorite music that moves you and challenge yourself to let yourself move and feel in any way that you, that you desire. Um, just try to find the things that bodily wise can help get you to that place. And like, you don't have to be a dancer. You don't have to be a uh, musician. Um, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit jealous of dancers and musicians because I feel like they can embody that, that holiness and that, you know, that magic so easily through what it is that they do. But just to, just to kind of try to get your body involved through motion and movement that's ecstatic because I know not everyone's going to get it from yoga. I know not everyone's going to get it from meditation. Not everyone's turn on, turned on by um, something that's more measured and focused and receptive. Sometimes something like just letting the body move as it will in response to, to something like music could be the beginning of that relationship crystallizing. That is a great idea. Something I am a dancer, so I dance. I mean, I've danced my whole life, so that's still just a part of who I am. I do it all the time, so I can totally back that tip. But I would also say that humans, this is something that happens when we denature ourselves. Humans have innate rhythm that ties into the rhythm of Mother Nature. It, it we all have. Oh no, I I have a tangent coming on. We all have. <laughs> We all have a sense of rhythm, right? So you can put, yes. on, put on a piece of music that, that makes you want to move your butt and clean your house. So you're getting That's- that like tactile thing, but you're like, scrub, scrub, scrub the tub, scrub, scrub, scrub the, you know, like you start getting into like a rhythm of it and it can really take you out of your mind. People love to ask me that question all the time. Like, how do you stop your mind or shut it off? It's like you get into your body and to me, that's like, you got the music going for you. You're cleaning your house and you'll know you're in it when your natural rhythm comes out so interesting how one can lose touch with that and I feel like it was a really good insight uh when you said to clean because even as I was saying like put on some music and and dance I know that that is not available to everyone especially someone who's feeling disconnected from the body there's self-consciousness there someone who's like really really in the 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 mental world you're just so aware of what it is that you're doing that you might just kind of stop yourself from having that experience so I definitely second the cleaning thing because that's something you're going to be doing anyway and you're not going to be necessarily self-conscious about doing the dishes or or vacuuming or what have you. Yeah, and side benefit, it's a lot more fun than just cleaning. Yes, (laughs) it does does make something that must be done more of a fun activity. I agree. Very, very, Very Mary Poppins. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So how can we find you, dear, online? How can we get involved with the Patreon stuff and, and, and find you? Where's your website? Well, I, my website, everything is under www.jessiehuntenberg.com. And the witch in me needs to blow out a spell slash sage that almost just caught my house on fire. Okay. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh my God. 
Hashtag witch life. <laughs> Hashtag witch life. I had a candle spell burning down. It burned down past a bundle of sage and just caught the sage on fire. Oh, so I had wow. to take care of that really quickly. I'm so, but <laughs> I'm so glad you caught that. You can find me at www.jessiehuntenberg.com. My Patreon is listed under Jesse Huntenberg. My Instagram, my YouTube, my Twitter, all Jesse Huntenberg. I made it easy for myself and and others. So basically, you can you can Google me and you'll find at least one way to get in touch with me. Yeah. And uh, oh, you're so easy to talk to online too. I. I don't know what you're doing on other platforms because I'm such a Twitter person, but uh, your Twitter feed is awesome, just filled with really valuable free information, and you also are so friendly. Like, somebody can be like, hi, I loved you on the podcast. What do you think about this, you know? Aw, thanks. I try. There are some platforms, probably the easiest way to get in touch with me would either be Twitter or Instagram as far as social media is concerned. Uh, but I'm, I'm always throwing things out there. I'm throwing out, uh, you know, I have new moon and full moon, uh, telescopes that I throw out there. I do videos, uh, either. If you see me on either Instagram or Twitter, you will be made aware of any and all of the things that I'm offering. And also, um, on my website, there is an opportunity to subscribe to my newsletter and, uh, I'm always I'm I'm basically sending a newsletter probably about once a week. Sometimes it's informational about the things that I'm offering. Sometimes it just goes really deep into whatever it is that I'm thinking. Sometimes it's just going to be your terascopes for every sign. And signing up for the newsletter also ensures that you get a free ebook called "Be True to You: A Guide to Following Your Deep Inner Knowing." So, oh nice. Well, yeah. If, if <laughs> so they want I have it, that too. That's a yeah, that sounds like a good way to get to know your work. Mm-hmm. So come, come, come see me. I will definitely say, hey, come, <laughs> hang, come hang around in my world, and, and I'll be throwing things out there as often as I possibly can. Yay, this was fabulous. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, lady. Thank you so much for having me. It is always a pleasure and always a delight to speak with you. Yay. Thank you. Much, much <laughs> love, everybody. Peace. Much love, everyone. Thank you.